And speaking with gravity, and I'm curving. I'm Ty. I'm D. Joshua, a.k.a. Garby. All right, and on this podcast, we talk about mental health and how everything affects everything. With every episode, the goal is to have a conversation that's going to make you think, make you feel, make you do what is best for you. Uh, I'm a therapist. Three out of four of us are therapists. We're working on him. But this isn't therapy. It's a podcast. So now we're going to go right into, no guests today, so we're going to go right into the uh, Twitter discussion by a um, pretty dope person, if I say so myself, if I have to say so myself. So our Twitter discussion, what you don't know can harm you. What you refuse to accept can delay you. What you take accountability for can empower you. What you let go of can free you. That's by none other than the Carpenter, right? Adjacent, adjacent to me. Um, from Kodak Ready Consulting Services, of course. Uh, you can find her on Instagram. That's at Kodak Ready Consultant Services. Definitely look her up. Yeah, on Instagram it's just uh, at Kodak Ready. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then uh, she has on on Facebook is at Kodak Ready Consultant Services. My bad. I I, I messed that up. No, you good. We that's yeah. You um, but corrected. I really liked that statement when I read it, and I was like, "Yo, let me let's 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 highlight that." Um, I don't know what could could you elaborate on that? Uh, is it too much to ask <laughs> for you to elaborate on? I mean, I, I do feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but it was it's just really dope, man. And your writing skills is. Is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Ready for I that book? Yeah. Right. I appreciate Sign that. copy. Yeah. Automatically. Um. So, for me, it was going back to our childhood con- con- conversations, um, where a lot of times we were told what you don't know, what they don't know, don't hurt us. Um. And so, you know, as I continue this self journey and as I continue to grow and working with other people, what we don't know is detrimental to us. It's detrimental to our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and every element of our life. And so, you know, what we, you know, learn, we still have to accept and begin to process. Because we can know something and not do anything with the information that we learn. And so um, that can prevent us from being able to grow and expand and develop as we should. Um, Accountability, you know what I'm saying? Taking responsibility for yourself. Um, I am my choices, um, and mm. I am the decisions that I make for myself, um, and they do impact me and the people around me. Um, and when I learn to take accountability for that, it gives me the ability to change the direction of the outcomes of my life. Um, and then, you know, what I learned to free myself from allows me to navigate and walk in my authenticness. So um, that was kind of my concept for this. That's what's up. All right, cutie of the hour. See, we can't even add that to that, can we? <laughs> <laughs> cutie of the hour, which is another version of fun facts, information for you to be able to give to your friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, or church members. 10.5 million children lost a parent or caregiver because of COVID 
and out of 150 children in the Americas, according to the research letter published in Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics. All right, and episode intro. If you have ever lost someone close to you, you realize that there is no definite right way to go through the experience. Today's topic is all about death, loss, and pain. The goal is to begin a conversation that will lead to preparation of what is inevitable in this thing we call life. We would love for you to stay and hopefully learn something from this heavy topic, but please be mindful of your ability to observe what we are presenting in this moment. If you need to, step away and return when you are ready or go listen to another one of our episodes. If you are able to stay, let's create space and talk about grief. So what does it mean um, to hold space for grief? Mm, That's big. Hold space for grief. Setting aside that time. Yeah. Setting aside that time. Setting aside... um, Um, any anybody like can you tell me the earliest memory you've had of of loss death loss um yeah death or or a loss the earliest memory earliest no not not the uh heaviest one i guess you could say the uh, my earliest. earliest is probably one of my heaviest really mhm um <laughs> one of my earliest uh I'm, I'm gonna give you two because I don't know how old I were, how, how old I was. One of my parents came home with a dog. Mm. I I don't know who it was, and it wasn't <laughs> like they went to to the store and bought a dog. It was one of those, you know. <laughs> we see well, we pick one up and here it is, and then the dog was gone. Like I had spent some time with it, a couple of weeks with it, and then it was gone. So that was my earliest memory of a loss. And I, I remember feeling some type of way, but not knowing what I felt, just know like, oh, okay. And then the uh, the death part of it uh, was losing my, my uncle, my dad's brother, even though I didn't know him as well at that time. And this had to be before I was 10, but I don't remember what, you know, how old I was. But I remember losing, losing him. Um, I felt like my dad was was upset or different and I couldn't explain it and I didn't have a strong relationship for him so it was kind of a strong relationship with my uncle so for me it was just kind of like okay this person was here I used to see them all the time or I see them frequently uh, and I don't see them anymore that, that was my earliest memory now and you said your earliest memory is your heaviest one yeah so my earliest memory is my mom's death so my biological mom died when I was two, getting ready to turn three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that, that changed the trajectory of my life from that moment forward. Um, I can remember bits and pieces of that day distinctively. I can remember telling uh my brothers and sisters that my mama was gone. And I didn't really know what I was saying, but I was like, mama gone. And you know, them finding out through me, but not finding out. Like I can remember the the conversation where they brought all the family in to come because it was five of us. And you know, I can remember 
sitting down and, and them having to tell my older siblings who were all at school during that time that my mom had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably my introduction to grief um, and probably the origin of my passion for working with people with grief. Stephanie? Hmm. Um, I guess for me, the earliest which was associated with death, uh, not necessarily a, a loss. Well, I mean, it is, but death uh, was a relative, my niece, um, mm. my first niece, actually. I may have been in high school around the time, but, yeah, I really didn't know how to process it um, being a teenager. I think, again, those feelings of numbness. Um, but, yeah, that was the earliest. It wasn't the heaviest, uh, but earliest. I want to say uh, my earliest, um, earliest probably my cousin, my cousin Miranda. Uh, I think I was what, probably like eight years old. Uh, some really early fond memories of her. Uh, that was probably my earliest really loss. You know, I, I actually, I mean, I, I lost loved ones before that, but um, you know, didn't really stick out to me as much. You know, being young, um, and. Probably the heaviest probably my grandma. Um, you know, I grew up at a home with my grandma, so um, you know that 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 was kind of tough. Um, I feel like you know afterwards, I feel like I I don't know. It seems as though I wasn't as disciplined. I would say maybe afterwards, you know, having that that matriarch in the home with me. <clears throat> um, yeah, so those are probably two that that really stand out to me. And what did y'all notice um, with people and the grief, uh, the, the death that was going on at, at the time that we were talking about? What did y'all notice about adults, siblings, friends around you, how, how they were processing it? I think the thing that I noticed first is that people didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, people didn't know what to say, they didn't know how to say certain things. Um, And I I don't think that people really understood what that meant for us as children. And I think people were empathetic and they were sympathetic to us, but they didn't really know how that changed everything Mm -hmm. in that one moment. Um, And I think that's common Mm -hmm. with grief. Right. Um, people don't know what to say, you know, and, and, and I'm sorry, you know, it's the first thing. And, you know, um, you know, if they've been sick, it's they in a better place now. Um, and a lot of times those words aren't as compassionate as people think they are. Yeah. Right. And, and I, people, I think people were uncomfortable being, being around us because they did not know how to, as you said, like as we call it now, whole space. Right, right. They felt like they needed to say something to us to make us be okay. Mm. And the reality mm. was there was nothing they could say that would make us okay. Um, and and that's kind of what 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 that experience taught me early on. Yeah, I was um I was twenty three when I lost my, my father. And I you know, 
thought I was prepared for it, if that made sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I could handle it. Um, and I remember exactly what you're saying. People say things because they just want it to be better or they want you to feel better. Uh, and I remember not remembering what people were saying. Like, you know somebody's talking to you, you hear words coming out of their mouth, especially the closer it was to that actual moment of me finding out uh, that my, my, my father had, pa- had passed, had died. Uh, and even just that, that wording, right? He passed away. Mm. No, he, you know, he, he died. He's he gone, he's not coming back. Um, and you know this this is a this is a heavy topic because even uh, you know, even with that, not only did I not hear people, but for the longest, I didn't really do anything about it. It's just you know, hey, go on, let me move on, let me whatever that <laughs> whatever that means, like let me move on. What does that mean? Yeah. And you know, when you go on, I don't personally like doing grief counseling. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when you're going and it's like, what does it mean to move on? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's, that's hard. That's hard to kind of figure out what does that mean to me as, a, as, a, uh, as an individual. And there was probably about uh, two, two and a half years. I didn't know what it mean other than for me to kind of act out. Mm-hmm. Um, act out in not a way that he would, that, that was a representation of me of what I really wanted to be um, or what he would have wanted me to be as a, as a son. Um, but it was just me just just doing stuff. Figures mm-hmm. are trying to adjust, though. Yeah. All right, yeah. And, and I think people take away from the notion of because we, especially when you lose someone so close, the idea of how we perceive life has changed forever, right? Um, and I think about even my first introduction to grief. Like, grief for me at two years old was different for grief for my sister who was 12 or 13, right? They lost, we lost the same person, but we lost two different people, mm. right? Yeah. My, my brothers lost a totally different person, right? And even for a long time, um, I was, at that time, I grew up with a, a lady who was close to my mom, um, and she raised me and one of my other siblings, and I often referred to her as mom. And for one of my brothers, that was very problematic because me acknowledging her as mom to him was as if I was omitting who my mom, my biological mother was. And then at that age, I couldn't understand what he was talking about. Like, yeah, I get that that's mom, but this is who's taking care of me. This is who's providing for me. So, you know, I'm paying reverence to her role in my life. But to him, it was like, you don't understand what that means. And and now as an adult, as I've gotten more acclimated in, in grief, I understood for him that was a part of grief for him. Like, to him, that was him saying that by me acknowledging someone else's mom was me kind of putting the nail in the coffin. You know what I'm saying? It was finalizing my mom's death. And I think that people don't always understand that grief doesn't have an ending when it comes to loss. And so when you talk about being able to move forward, it's really not that you're moving on in and forgetting this person. It's that you're now having to adjust to life without this person. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? And and that's a day by day journey because it looks different for everyone. Yes. I think language is important too, and a lot of yeah, uh, like you mentioned earlier, curving common things that we hear. Um, from people who are offering that emotional support to individuals who experienced a loss. Um, but oftentimes, like you guys indicated, those things really aren't helpful and they're unintentional about it. You know, they're intentional with their their ability to try to show support and comfort, but kind of unintentional how those things, they kind of just like, it offers no validation yes. in, in a sense, you know, so oh, it was their time, oh, um, God was ready for them. That's if, how do you know this individual identifies with any type of religious or spiritual beliefs first and foremost? And then that's kind of maybe saying, well, does that mean that they, just because it was their time that they were supposed to go, like it still can kind of become invalidating of my feelings, you know, and offer or just promote more feelings of hopelessness, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then can often lead to people becoming more isolated, um, people shutting down. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think just be learning what to say and what not to say and being okay with, dang, I may have said the wrong thing because of my lack of knowledge around what to say and then, you know, just simply sometimes not saying anything, mm-hmm. just your presence alone or the simplest things, I'm sorry for your loss. Let me know how I can be of service or how I can help, you know, or I don't know what you're going through because just because I lost somebody and just because you lost somebody, I still don't know what you're really going through. Yeah, we may have similarities with losing somebody or losing something, you know, because like we we all know grief, it isn't just about losing an individual. It can be because of loss of a job, um, loss of a a neighborhood, like movement, different changes going on in our lives, you know, pet, whatever the case may be. Um, just kind of learning the, I don't even want to say learning the appropriate language because that varies too, but just being mindful, I guess, again, of what we're saying or suggesting to people who are experiencing grief and loss. Like I, like I went through it early, there's no definitive right way. Right. Um, you can be there, you can be there, but there's no right way. Going to what you were saying about, um, you made the statement that sometimes people can uh, say it was their time or God wanted them, right? Uh, again, going to, to my, my dad, uh, I'm a preacher's kid, so grew up in the church, dad's a, a minister, and I remember at the time that it happened, we were all at the hospital, and my current pastor, he wasn't my, my, the pastor, uh, my pastor at that time, but he was at the, the hospital with us, and uh, he was let us pray and you know I'm a I feel like I'm a spiritual person but in that moment at that time in my life Mm -hmm. I ain't want to pray I was I I don't that just I I vividly remember that like they said let us pray and I did not want to do it Um, and again my my pastor grabbed he wasn't my pastor then but he grabbed my hand I just happened to be standing next to him and he grabbed my hand and there was a part of me that wanted to take my hand away but I, you know, I allowed him to hold my hand, and we kind of got together. I can't say in that moment that I felt better. I can't, I can't even say that. But I remember having that thought. That's probably been the only time that I didn't want to uh, pray. And I'm saying that to say, you know, you, you don't know what to say. 
you can just because you're saying that doesn't mean that that person gonna say, oh, okay. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're absolutely wrong for saying that, but just know being there, whatever you say, you'll figure it out after you're around that person for a period of time. That's another thing that I noticed with Dev too is, oftentimes, uh, again going back to uh, my father, that if I'm not mistaken, it happened on a Saturday, and I could be wrong about this, but I think he was buried on a Wednesday. Uh, but Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, a house full of people, mm. a lot of support. And I remember going to the funeral on um, that Wednesday. I believe it was a Wednesday. But going to the funeral, kind of being alone even in that moment, going to the funeral, having a funeral, and then, bam, you got all of these people. And you see the support, and you like, appreciative of that, being surrounded by the people. And then after dinner is done, mm-hmm. that long, that ride home, for us, it was an extremely long ride home. And then you get to the house, and it's just walls. Yeah. You know, my uh, my siblings, my mom, and walls. And I, I want to say we went in separate rooms. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that support afterwards, I've always, maybe not to the best of my ability, but I've always tried to be mindful of that and say, okay, everybody's there doing this mm-hmm. first two or three days. But after that, I'm gonna make sure I show my presence in some way, or I at least try to, because yeah. that's when that's I feel like it's needed the most. Looking at my personal experience. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I think I kind of got off here a little bit. But you know, I wasn't talking about grief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, we we said that our grief is different, um, and you, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, it is not just death. You know, it could it could be a loss of jobs. Yeah, because it, it's a change. Relationship. Yeah, relationship. relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, Financial yeah. Uh, changes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, losing the ability to be physically independent, yeah. you know, uh, working in hospice, just experiencing individuals express you know the lack of physical capabilities that they once once were able to achieve but just being able to remind them you still have other capabilities you know but I know that may not be the appropriate thing because that may be dismissing I'm aware of that but this is how I feel right now you know I ain't able to do x y and z so just I guess trying to highlight those things I didn't mean to take it all the way there but yeah um but e- Different if, forms of loss. Even if they do, you know, if if you're trying to highlight different capabilities, right, what I like to do is that instead of just flat out telling somebody, yo, you got different capabilities, asking. Asking. And then hopefully yeah. allowing them to see it. Like, you know, just asking a question, you know. You could get mad at me for just asking a question, but I'm, I'm that's what I'm doing, and I'm hoping that you'll gather from your answer that this is what it is, and, and if given the space and the opportunity, I share with you like this is where I was going with this, right? Um, but asking that question can be can be helpful um, to get to that point. I think you also have to be governed by relationship, and mm. I, I think we've been talking about relationship in in the past several episodes. But when someone is dealing with grief, relationship matters, mm-hmm. right? Um, for me, I've experienced grief in, in the multitudes of experiences from relocation, from, you know, my mother dying, like I said, at three, and then my, my father dying when I was 16. Um, and, you know, my father was absent from my life 
until I about was 12. And even then it was inconsistent. So there was a form of grief I had for him before mm -hmm. due to his lack of involvement. But then there was a physical grief once he passed on. And it made it even harder because the week before my father passed, which I truly believe he understood that his time was approaching, he made amends for his lack of uh, parental guidance and participation in my upbringing. And so, you know, that was another form of grief because mm -hmm. here we are trying to establish a relationship and then, you know, life is calling. And then you have people who say it was his time. And I think, you know, those people don't really know me. Um, and so that, that notion of I feel alone that's a that's a valid feeling because this experience it doesn't mirror or match anyone else's so in the essence there is a spirit there is an element of loneliness um, but there is also importance and significance in recognizing the people around you and I think what people sometimes do is people ask questions well how did they die and all of these things sometimes those those type of questions are inappropriate inappropriate so some of the things that I tell people is when you're trying to hold space for people is when asking questions, how does this question benefit exactly. you? Exactly. How does this, the information that you're seeking allow you to help the people who are living, mm. right? Because yeah. the person that has passed away, we can't, we don't change anything. We can't alter anything from that beginning. So with that information, how does it improve the quality of life for the people that are still here? Um, in my direct experience with grief, I also learned that there is a time and a place for everything, right? And, and I think what you mentioned earlier is most important is that silence is still support. And I don't think that people realize that when you're when this person is grieving, silence is a measure of support. And this notion of what, Kervin, you mentioned is people wanting to run to the house. There was a time when I thought, you know, that, you know, paying honors to people. But there's also, there's also a sacredness in allowing family to have their space. I don't want to run to people's house anymore. That's not for me anymore because I just noticed from my own experience with grief that was overwhelming mm -hmm. because I was already struggling to be okay and now you're coming and now I'm trying to I'm trying to entertain, I'm trying to do hospitality for you when honestly I'm struggling to even get up right now. Like I'm in a place of you know, zonefulness, like I'm zoned out. It's not real to me yet. And, and so I think you really have to be mindful of how do I have a relationship with this person? Like I may just send a message, but I'll tell them, I'm not expecting you to call me mm -hmm. I'm not expecting a response for you. I just want you to know that you're in my thoughts and my prayers. You know, if I get an opportunity, I'll stop by. So I'm setting the stage, you know, if it's okay. And I may ask before I come by, is it okay if we stop by? If you don't respond, then, you know what I'm saying, I'll take it as God. But it, but unless we had this type of relationship, I may not come to your house. But I'm also still paying respect because if I want to go to the funeral, that's how I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Or if I want to check on you afterwards, that's how I can do that. And I think it comes with experience because mm -hmm. sometimes if you ain't never experienced loss, you don't really know how to respond to it. Mm -hmm. right? And and so you, you grow through your experiences. But I think it's important um, when you don't know what to say, know that your words can be very much more harmful than they are helpful. So sometimes silence is is significant. I, I like what you said about relationship too, man, because sometimes if you got a great relationship with somebody and they say something wrong, 
it's, it's still okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and also uh, with that relationship, I, again, going back to my personal experience, I had one friend. We were roommates at the time. I believe he probably called me every hour on the hour, it seems like. Uh, and sometimes when he called me, I did not want to answer. This is with cell phones was just now kind of coming, being a thing. Um, and so I had the, I had, he had access to me. But some of those times I didn't want to talk, but the other times it was like, okay. And when he got on the phone, we, it wouldn't necessarily say, you know, how you doing, it was, we were just talking. Um, again, I remember my mom being around me like, is he calling again? Mm-hmm. But she didn't have that relationship with him. I did. So even though it was somewhat, uh, I don't even want to say aggravated, but in that moment, I might not want to accept it in that moment sometimes. But overall, I'm so grateful um, for those calls back to back to back from him. Uh, it kind of kept me kept me on my toes, but that came with us having that relationship. Uh, we had a good relationship then and built our relationship. I had friends that I was probably thought I was closer with than him who had no idea mm. what to do, what to say, <laughs> how to interact with me, how to engage with me um, at that time. So, Can, can I ask you guys, uh, who do you see yourself wanting to talk to when you're in those moments, when you're grieving or you're really dealing with loss? Who do you see yourselves wanting to talk to any I mean maybe maybe it's nobody but I feel as though um, I have select people in my life who I would go to if I wanted to talk to somebody I like reflecting with myself first of course um, but there are like just a select hand, handful that I'll go to um, do y'all have people like that in your life I think right now at this very moment course uh my wife would be my go-to person uh just because she's you know she's around me all the time but if it was you know if anything should depending on the person you know if, if, it's, if it's a family member then I might go to a sibling more so than um my mom I mean not my mom my wife uh, or if it was a sibling that it happened to It's going to be somewhere within that circle of family for me, my wife, my siblings, um, my mom. I don't think, not to say that it wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to anybody else about it, but me, myself, where I'm going to it, I'm initiating it, it's going to be one of those those persons. And, yes, I do like to get to myself uh, yeah. at different points in times, but the, I guess the biggest thing for me, more so than who I'm talking to, is the appropriateness of, it, of that time when I'm, I'm, I, I'm ready to process this now, mm-hmm. you know, either by myself or I'm mm-hmm. ready to process this with somebody else. You know? you know, some people like talking to people who don't really know them mm-hmm. very well or don't really I have a, you know, a stake in that, you know, in that experience that they're going through. Because um, sometimes, oftentimes, you know, some people sometimes just want to be heard and when we're familiar with somebody, sometimes we try to offer words like we've been saying words of encouragement advice you know you should go about it this way sometimes people just want to be heard they just want you to just want to know that you're listening to them um but yeah I, sometimes i think it's it's really it's really cool to have someone who you go to even though you know i, I prefer going to myself at least first um but yeah i think that that can be really supportive you know you can you can 
when, you, when you're able to lean on somebody a little bit, I think it uh, can be good for your mental health sometimes. I think you have to examine what support looks like for you. Um, mm. For some people, um, they don't have people to talk to. Right. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, when when grief happens for individuals, sometimes the person they're losing is the person they would normally talk to, right? Um, and so that's a still another reminder that that person is no longer here. And I think you just have to be able to to really validate yourself in that moment. Um, oftentimes, people when people respond to grief, I, I've, I've met with a lot of people who said, I feel like I'm going crazy. Mm. Um, and there's validity in that, and it's not that you're going crazy, it's the fear of the unknown. Because you have no idea what life is going to look like now right. as a result of this loss that you've experienced. Mm. And I think when, when I'm working with people, one of my focuses is is to really validate whatever emotional experience they're having. So yeah. if they want to sit in silence, we sit in silence. I normalize what it is that they're wanting to do. I, I know a lot of times, especially with children, when children lose people, people want them to talk about it. But I don't know how to talk about it yet because, especially as a child, because I can't really put into words what I'm experiencing. And just because I'm, I can't put it into words doesn't make my experience any less real. It just means I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Um, and when you're dealing with people or you're trying to hold space with people, you have to understand that in that moment, it really is not about you. Like, right. right? So if that person doesn't choose to come and talk to you or, you know, whether it's a close friend or whether it's a family member, they may not choose you. Mm. Um, right. You know what I'm saying? They may, like you said, choose somebody that they don't know. Um, one of them, you know, when my mom died my freshman year in college, um, my foster mom died my freshman year in college, the person that comforted me the most was one of my um, close, well, one, one of the people that I met in college was her mom, right? She only had met me once, and that was in, on moving day. But her words was probably the most comforting words I heard during that entire time. And, you know, and when she said it, it just so happened that I was in a spacing that I was able to receive what she mm. was saying. Right? Being I don't know that if it had a came from somebody else at that time, I would have received it the same way. Yeah. But in that moment when she called, I was open to hear what she had to say. Mm. Right. Um, and I, I think that's that's really important in in dealing with grief is the fact that you don't understand what you're feeling. You're in, you're in the right space because you 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 it is an unknown feeling. You've never had to experience this before. You've never been here before. Even if you've experienced loss, like the loss of my biological mom wasn't the same for with the loss of my, my dad, and the loss of my dad was not the same for the, with the loss of my foster mom, yeah. right? Each and every one of those losses were different. And I experienced other losses in between, you know, having to relocate, my brother moving out. That was another form of loss, him not being home anymore. You know, us getting evicted from one property, that was another form of loss. So there, you know, grief was happening all around me in different formats, but all of them happened in different levels. And I think that when you really look to talk about people, you don't have to lose a person to understand grief, right? You, right. It, it, it's, it's the feeling of what do I do when something that is valuable to me 
is no longer present. Regardless of what that value is, regardless of how much it owes, it's something to me, right? And there's some things that you can't even put a price tag on, right? right? So once I lose, what I lose it, how do I feel? So, you know, when you, when you say that, I know we don't want to generalize, right? We don't want to generalize, and we talked about um, grief being different at different points in times. Is there a different approach for a child as a as instead of an adult than you, you you mentioned you didn't know the words at two to say so you know with this and I don't, I don't know exactly about, about like Ty and I don't know exactly what I'm trying to ask but I know how do you I, respond differently? yeah, how, yeah each age, I feel like it's age groups it's like it's periods of time that's going to be different you know, again, going back to my earliest memory, my uncle passed. Um, he passed. He gone. I yeah. think language is important. You know, like how we're talking past, past, past. Well, as a child who may be three, four, five, when they think of past, they don't think of, that doesn't equate to death. So we have to be intentional about the language. Yeah, they died. You know, because if you tell me they passed, well, they pass too. You know, then that brings about other questions, but, and we have to be okay with saying that word. Died. They transitioned on or yeah. they died. They actually yeah. died, you know, and yeah. then from there you can kind of further elaborate, but being intentional about the language and kind of being clear about it as well. Um, how you deliver it, of course, you know, is on you, but the language needs to stay the same. I personally think anyway, um, when it comes down to kids in different age groups. I think you have to meet kids where they are. Because some kids don't understand different things. And I think it depends on what they've kind of been taught up and down. Like, you know, we talked earlier about spirituality and some people believing, you know, in one way. And so if, if your spirituality and that's what they're, they're connected with, you may have to tie that in, right? You may have to connect it to, you know, this person is going to be with, you know, their father or, or this person, you know. And for me, I can remember... Uh, for a long time, they just told me my mama was sleeping, right? Um, and I don't really know how I processed it. I don't know what it, mm. what it looks like. I don't even know if I understood sleeping because even then in that statement, I'm thinking about you. Exactly. When, when she going to get up? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it, it it really just depends on the, the development of that child. But I also think is because grief can be so different, we can't. You got to be careful and in alignment with your own emotional intelligence before yeah. you try to advise children about grief. Yeah. Because if I haven't processed my own feelings, I really can't take them to a space of understanding, right? I, I and I really have to sit with and be honest with them about my uncertainties. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what this will look like for us, right? Um, what I do know is there may be times when we are sad because we miss them and we love them, but a part of them will always be here with us, right? That doesn't change their look. So it's sometimes it's, it's changing the focus because I really can't give you explanation to something that I truly may not understand yet, right? My own understanding may not be there. And I think with children, you just have to kind of meet them where they are. Because one of the things is children, just like adults, they have to digest death. And so they may have this question today, they may have this question six months from now. They may come back and go back to the original question one year later. But at that point, as they're progressing, you, you continue to be able to provide knowledge um, and understanding to them. And I think, like Ty said, the language is important. 
But and sometimes children don't understand what's going on. And this is another reason why your own emotional intelligence is important because am I projecting my pain and my sorrows onto them? Mm-hmm. I've dealt with a lot of children that they were like you. They didn't really understand death when it happened to them. So they weren't really struggling with it. They just didn't really understand it yet. Not to mean that at one point when they do get to an age where they can understand it, they won't have a difficult time. But where they were at that moment, they didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But because the mother or, or the grandmother or whomever may have been struggling with it, they were projecting their emotions onto their child. Well, they're not sleeping at night. Well, let's be honest. They were never sleeping at night. So that ain't, you know what I'm saying, that's not correlated to them being in that moment. And so really understanding what's going on, looking at what is what is really different. I only, I only provide information when they ask questions. Right. I don't try to force them to understand anything, right? You know, as we're transitioning through this decision-making or whatever, and it, and it varies for different people because different people feel different ways about responding. But there's those are things that you potentially have to take into consideration. Where is this child at right now? And what, what does their developmental capacity allow them to understand? There are certain things that I may want to tell them that they're not ready to understand yet. Doesn't mean that conversation won't come at a later time, but right now may not be the time. Like you said, like you mentioned, that comes with intelligence, well, emotional intelligence um, as well. Because me, you know, when I'm talking to anyone, you know, even, even about loss or grief, you know, if I'm talking to a kid, I'm in kid mode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being cognizant of who I'm talking to and, you know, where to direct that conversation. Um, you know, expectations. I'm processing all of that, like, really quickly. Same as when I'm talking to somebody, you know, um, in their 20s or somebody in their 50s, you know. Um, that's, you know, it's going to be a difference. So, um, I mean, just I mean, just, just being aware that, you know, th- those conversations are going to be different. Um, and I, I wanted to ask y'all, too, um, how, because I think we might have touched on it a little bit, but how to, how, how would you say, um, you know, telling someone that it's not a good time. How, what, like, what's, what's, how do you tell someone it's not a good time for you, for them to, you know, be talking to you about grief or about loss? You know. When you say that, meaning after, like, I've experienced it. And yeah, like say after after I've experienced, you know, I'm going through grief. I'm going through a grieving process, and you know, someone wants to uh, wants to be there for me. But I don't really want them to be there for me right now. You know, I want to, you know, go through it myself right now. How to tell them? Because a lot of a lot of people, even me, you know, I'm still being empathetic. You know, and I'm thinking about this person wants to be there for me. I don't really feel like it, but uh, yeah, come on. You know what I mean? Because I'm still thinking about them. You got to put yourself first. So in that mm-hmm. moment, if you know that you're not ready to receive the support that's being offered to you. Mm-hmm. Now's not the time, but I appreciate it. Simply put. Right. Mm-hmm. And straight if they like can't that. respect, yeah, straight like that. I mean, people may choose other words, but now is not the time, but thank you. You know, I'm mm-hmm. honored that you showed up and you're trying to offer your support, but this isn't the time for me. So I would expect, because I know we can't have expectations for people, but if I'm being clear with what I'm asking, I would expect for you to respect that. Mm-hmm. And if that means you just want to sit here in silence with me, I'm okay with that, but not engage in conversations with me yeah. at the moment. But I have to be okay with letting you know that and not just sit there and you just talking to me and I'm not even processing it. You yeah. know, for one, it's not fair to me and it's not fair to you either. Thanks. So for me, I'm going to let you know now isn't the time. But thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
definitely. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that, right? I think it can um, be troublesome, yeah. Yeah, just flat out saying, nah, this ain't the time. <laughs> and see, uh, I, would have, I would have trouble with that. Just nah. speaking personally. like I, I, But then I you're know. forgetting about self, because what is self asking? If self is asking, I really ain't the time right now, you know, but I'm thinking about it. Then what about you? I would, have to, I would just have to try to find a way to say it and and convey, like, hey, man, I, you know, I don't know. It's, I think yeah. it's tone, too. Like, are, you, no. are you scared that they're not going to come back around when you're ready? No, nah, it's just I, I got, like, this uh, thing about, um, sometimes I have a thing about, don't get me started. I guess, saying the wrong, <laughs> I mean, offending people, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't really want to uh, offend you. So I, I'll say, I'll probably say that, what y'all said, but I, I'll probably just, like, be, like, my emotional intelligence, my emotional awareness will kick in then. Like, hey, this, per- this person is trying to be there, so I just have to try to let them off easy is what I'll do. Well, then you setting yourself up for continuing to open up doors to be kind of passive mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. not being upfront with people with what it is that you need and how they can support you. So with you supporting me is you not asking me any questions mm. right now, but me also letting you know that and me being okay, not having those feelings of guilt associated or, dang, I ain't had to. Yeah, you did, because that's what self needed in that moment in time. You were honest. You were you didn't have a, a mean demeanor. I'm sure your tone is, you know, monotone. You weren't yelling at him. Get out of it. I'm just asking you to respect that this isn't the time right now, but I appreciate you. That I like your tone. I like the tone there. I like, like that tone, yeah. That's um, boundaries, too. I can probably do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, setting up boundaries. And it might be one of those things where you have to say, you know what, let me go to therapy to see how I need to set these boundaries, mm-hmm. uh, how I need to yeah. tell people um, – not not to bother me right now. <laughs> um, but I would say to that person that yeah. you don't want to be bothered by, right? You know, it's okay for y'all to chat, be, get, chat back in. Yeah. Y'all okay. can correct me if I'm wrong. No, that, I agree because you need that support. Yeah. So, so telling um, them when to chat back in, maybe, or you, ch- that, chat back with me later? That might help you. It, for me, I don't <laughs> need, I'm not going to do that. Like, just don't bother me right now. If you check back in, you check back in. If yeah. you don't, you don't. But for you, that could help because you are still thinking about them. You are still cognitive of them. So, hey, right now, not now is not the time. Hit me up next week. Or hit I me up in about a month. She, she, she ain't putting that, I'm, not, I'm not putting that time frame on it because uh-huh. I'm, I'm not doing I, I don't think I want to set those expectations because I don't want to set expectations on them. And I don't want to set myself up to be disappointed. Yeah. So the reality. If, mean, if they don't. Yeah, if they don't. Because my, the one thing about grief, and it is, it's hard to accept, is that life still goes on for the people around right. you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and and for a moment, I, I explain to people this sometimes. To be honest with you, for a moment, life stops. Uh, for a moment, when you are experiencing direct grief, mentally, life stops for you. Because you can't see yourself moving forward past that moment. Right. It doesn't mean that you physically, you know, the world stop, time stop. But in a moment, I'm probably not processing anything that's happening around me. But the people around me are still living. Right. The people around me still going to work, still doing what they got to do, still taking care of it. And so I can't expect you to stay in that moment with me forever. Right. And wait on me. But what I can say is, you know what, I appreciate you for trying to be here right now. And. You know, I'm just not in a place where I'm able to, to talk about this. But, you know, when I am ready, you'll be one of the first people I reach mm. out to. Right? Because at that point, I don't put no expectation on you, but I also give myself the freedom. 
When I want to talk about it, I'll reach out to you. And so if you choose to check in on me, you know, two weeks from now or a week from now, you know, I, I, I know you said you reach out to me when you're ready. You just crossed on my mind. And that's the thing, though. Being, being up front, I just wanted to check on you. I ain't looking... I ain't looking for you to be your, and I, I and I say this so, but I think when people often want to check on people is you want them to be okay, but the truth of it is they're not gonna be okay, right? Mm-hmm. And when they're gonna be okay, we don't know what that's gonna look like when that time is going to come. I, I I cannot tell you that it may be two weeks from now, it may be two years from now, it may be twenty years from now, and I still may not be okay with it. And so mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. What the support looks like, I may still need your support 20 years from now. And on that day where I'm just really thinking about my mom or I'm thinking about my dad or I'm thinking about that time, 20 years from now, I just might need you to sit down and listen to me or be like, yeah, I remember your mom. She was really cool, really dope, nice person. You remind me so much of her. And I don't know that people realize how meaningful those conversations is, but it touched my heart when somebody say, I, I remind them of my mama. Mm, yeah. Right, because I never got to most, know who she most, was. Most definitely, right? Sharing memories yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you know what I'm saying? Yeah, in that first week or two, you might not have been able to support me, but in 20 years, two years, and I ain't saying that that's the only time, but those those moments matter. Yeah. And and a lot of times, that's honestly how I've been able to shift people's mindset is by getting them to talk about memories, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. really getting them to talk about you know what was the last what's the last thing you remember about that person prior to this experience because the experience you're in right now is one of the most painful so let me take you to a moment that was wasn't as wasn't as painful for yeah. you what was that about what was that like what is something they they taught you what is something they always wanted for you and for me i i i strive to always find the lesson in death Absolutely. i always strive to find the lesson in loss one of the greatest lessons that death taught me is that my mom had to die so that i could live Right. And when I learned that, like, it really changed my life forever. Do I still desire and miss that relationship and wish I would have had the opportunity? I do. But I realized she really had to die so that I could live. Right. For me to be able to experience what I'm experiencing now, her life had to end. Because one of the things that I know was, I don't remember much, but I do remember my mom didn't see me as a person that could do no wrong. Right? How dangerous would that be for me? Right? If I grew up as a person thinking I could do no wrong and that I was untouchable or unstoppable, what, how different would my mindset be? How different would my response be? And, and, and it's a lot. And that's not the lesson that, you know, my situation taught my sisters or my brothers, but it's something that it taught me. Right? And the lesson that it also taught me in other aspects is that just because I move on don't mean other people do. Right, I yeah. still got siblings that are still struggling with my mom's death, and if I be honest, they may be thirty or forty years old, but they still sixteen when it comes to the passing of my mother, mm-hmm. right? Because they've never been in a place to be able to process that. And so, how do I help you? Right, I can try to move you forward, but I can't force you to go. Mm-hmm. Right, I can't, I can't force you, and that's what really when you're supporting people, I can, I can only try to do so much, right? And so if, if what I'm saying to you doesn't seem like it's helping you, look, I can see that you're really struggling. You're still having a hard time. Have you considered talking to somebody? Because I don't have the answers, right? With my brother, I don't have the answers for him. As good as I feel like I may be, I don't have the answers for him because he doesn't see me in that capacity, right? 
he see me and his sister who don't know what she's talking about. So <laughs> baby sister. <laughs> yeah, baby baby sister, yeah. right? You don't you don't even know. You yeah. you on the other stuff. So I can't really help him, right? But it doesn't mean that he doesn't need or desire help. It just he ain't gonna take it from me. And I think that's kind of the the beauty of of understanding just you may be able to help people differently in different experiences, right? And sometimes you may not be the help they need. Well, a lot of times, like I say, you, you always bring home a lot of things when, you, uh, when you're speaking. And when you were talking about recalling memories, even that is different for people, right? Uh, I remember people asking me, like, why do you have a DVD of your dad's funeral? And why are you going back and looking at it? Well, it helps me process mm -hmm. some things. I love hearing the people dialogue about him at that funeral. Uh, I actually sung at the funeral, so I got, I listened to myself like I could have did that better. <laughs> that um, but then uh, my my younger brother has tapes where he's on the tapes, and um, mm. you know that's that's dope. Uh, I think it's my mom that has like you know he, he used to preach, so some some old tapes. All of that is good for me just to be able to hear that voice again. Mm -hmm. I can't yeah. physically touch him. I can't physically be there to see him, but I hear it. Mm -hmm. I hear and I hear his mannerisms. I hear his wisdom um, that he shared down uh, with me in those little small, <laughs> those small clips from time to time, and it just you know it just it kind of bring it back to life for a second. Uh, and then the other thing you were saying about uh, time stopping for a second, you know, um, I don't I'm, I'm not gonna disagree with you. I like to think about it in in the sense of I lost hope for a little while. I don't know if that's even if that's something totally different mm -hmm. or not, um, but I think of it in the sense of death, but also like breakups. Right. You know, you know, when I was heartbreaking, like my, I, don't, I ain't gonna never find another girl. Right. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, I can't see myself dating right right now and being committed to somebody else to feel like this again. Like, nah, hope hope gone for a little minute, um, and then optimistic. it comes back. I feel like grief take grief can take your ability to be optimistic. Yes, yeah, and and somebody coming around, you like man, I don't feel like being optimistic right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I don't, don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear that. <laughs> All right, uh, did y'all have anything else y'all wanted to add? Want to talk I, about? I wanted you to touch on. Um, you brought it to no. my attention. Brought no. it to our attention. Um, yes, no. um, the the five stages of of grief. Oh, I just want—I just wanted you to touch on those because a lot of people might not. Um, there are five stages of grief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> denial, anger, bargaining, bargaining—not barking, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, and uh, D, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. They don't go in any mm -hmm. certain order, mm. right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm, um, denial—you uh, know—that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, just. It's not. It's not real. Mm -hmm. um, they can't be dead. Yeah. Fire um, it. Fire it. For me, that denial came in that in that moment. And what was what was interesting for me, and when I say in that moment, like I've I've had a lot of death, but the the biggest impact, of course, for me was was my father. I have both my grandfathers passed away, and uh, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother. But my my dad, and of course I have, I had some um, some aunties and some uncles, but my dad was the biggest one. And I remember 
uh, getting that call. And it's like, yo, you need to go home right now. They didn't even say what it was, but I knew what it was. And even as I knew what it was, I'm riding, I'm like, this is not going to be what I knew, what I mm-hmm. know it is. And yep. then I get there and, you know, see my mom and my sister and my brother. Um, and, you know, again, I know what it is as I'm walking across the street. I know what it is. But I'm like, nah, it's not this. And then they say it. They actually say, you know, dad died and I'm falling down. But as, I, as I'm falling down, it's like, I'm falling. I see an action. I see me doing what I was doing. Mm. That makes sense. Like I'm, I'm outside. Out of outside. body, yes. mm-hmm. um, mm. And then of course that anger. We talking about anger. I think that kind of goes along with what I was telling y'all earlier about. Hey, I don't, <laughs> don't want to hold your hand and pray right now. You know that mm-hmm. ain't. That's not gonna bring him back. So that's the way that anger comes in. It. And then bargaining. Uh, I, is there? A, I didn't again, get that one. D, you can you, you can kind of help me with this one. I don't think I've I went through that. I don't think I saw that, and maybe I just didn't recognize it. But um, you know, according to what we're learning, it, so bargaining is where you you come to the idea of an exchange sometimes, where like God, I I'll do I I'll do your will if you bring this person back, or I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, I'll stop drinking, and I, I go to church. I get saved if if you let this person come back, or you know, it, it's it's really trying to 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 do a trade off, right? Yeah, um, okay. In terms of um, bring this person back, and I'll do this forever, right? It, it's it's the notion that um, there is that that somehow you can potentially. You're willing to give something or sacrifice something in in the in replace of having that person. You think it might be some guilt in there? Absolutely. It potentially can. Sometimes it can be guilt, but sometimes it ain't got anything to do with guilt because when a person passes, like uh, a lot of times we take responsibility for yeah. that, right? Um, you know, in in different aspects of life. Where if, if they called me two weeks ago, if I had been on, if if I had mm. just answered the phone, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been where they was, um, or or they, you know what, they wanted me to ride with them to to the store, and I didn't, I didn't go, man. If I had just gotten in the car, they wouldn't oh, have right. had that car wreck. You know, yeah. it's it's those type of things is where you're trying to really, and I. I, I take it is we're really trying to make sense of something because oftentimes it's hard to process like how was I just on the phone with this person how was I just at this person's house how was how were we just laughing and cutting up how were they just okay and now you're saying they gone forever like they gone gone right like that's that that notion of trying to really rationalize and trying to to make sense of what doesn't oftentimes make sense. Yeah, you say gone, gone. Yeah, they gone, gone. gone. Um, I think with bargaining too, even let's say if, uh, down to a position, can you try this? Well, have we tried yeah. this? Well, let's try this again when mm. they've already concluded. And granted, mm-hmm. you know, again, if one is religious, has spiritual beliefs, he has the final say so, but still going back and forth with the physician or physicians about imposing some type of treatment after they've kind of already given you the end results. This is it, you mm-hmm. know. So I think that can be a form of bargaining, too. Yeah. Got you. Um, and then you got the depression, which is another mm. uh, stage. Yes. Um, that's kind of what everybody, you know, 
You know, that's kind of self-explanatory to everybody. You know, oh, I'm depressed because I lost this person. Yeah, eventually it gets to that point. And then acceptance. Uh, you know, I don't know if it says it in here, but me, my personal situation, you can accept it and not like, you, you accept it and you adapt because you accept it, right? You're not going to stop remembering this person. Right. Um, you're not going to stop feeling some type of way. Again, if I watch those videos, sometimes I can watch them and I'm, I'm good to go. I can just walk and keep on moving. And then sometimes it's like, oh, snap. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't watch that today. Um, but uh, you accept it for what it is. Um, even, even to this day, I still think, like I, I, I look at uh, my kids, there's a lot of things that my dad uh, didn't get to witness. Uh, he didn't get to witness me having kids. He didn't get to witness me getting married. Uh, he didn't get to witness me going to college. And to go back to your point of what, um, what I could take from the death. Uh, again, I remember my mom made me go to college, right? We talked about this in the yeah. college episode. She made me go. Of course, I got there. I was feeling myself and starting learning. I was like, oh, I could do this. Well, here it is my junior year in school. School is fine. I get a manager t telling me, hey, we want to make you an assistant manager at this restaurant that I was waiting tables at. And I was seriously considering, because they told me the amount of money I was going to make, I was seriously, seriously considering not graduating. And then my dad passed, and uh, you know, because he was proud of me for going to school. I was like, "Oh, I gotta do this. I gotta finish for him." So, uh, I don't know what have happened. What would have happened had he not passed? But I know that definitely uh, influenced me going ahead and finishing and graduating from there. So, Can I point yes, sir. Um, depression. Uh, I thought something was real dope. Elizabeth Ross, you know, five stages of uh, grief. What she said about depression was, uh, "It's a sort of acceptance with emotional attachment." I thought that was like a really powerful statement, right? I never really looked at it like this person is still emotionally attached to the thing that they are depressed about. You know what I mean? And and, and that's where I guess where the depression comes from. Like they know they've accepted, okay, they're gone, but it's like they're still emotionally attached. And then the actual stage of acceptance is becoming more objective to you know to it. You know, mm -hmm. I can't control it. You know what I mean? So therefore, I'm 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 not attached to it. You know, I I I've loved I loved that person and their life. You know, but I I can't be, uh, you know, uh, constantly attaching myself to you know to what we had because you know in in order to to I want to say move on. I hate move on, but in order to um, pick up my pieces and go forward, you know, I, I have to be able to be objective and. Let it be where it is. And this model, uh, this, this five stages of grief come from, as he referred to, Elizabeth Ross. When you're going for grief therapy, that doesn't mean that every therapist is going to go through this five stages of grief. Uh, okay. I know when I'm doing yeah. it, that's not like my go-to. It's not, I know about it, I'm aware of it, but that's not what I'm, we're not going to go through these five stages so, to try to get you better, if, it, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, if I see you in a particular stage, I might try to give you some coping skills or interventions to address such. So um, we're coming to an end here. We want to give uh, a shout out to uh, Mr. Winston for his 
audio yes, yes. and visual productions. Check them out on winstonjstewart.com. Subscribe to Gravity on our uh, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and whatever other social um, media platform we're on at this time. Um, for your event needs, check out 6-1 Event Rentals. And, yes, they got a 360 booth with red carpet. Red carpet. <laughs> um, we'll cool. link, we'll share their link in the show notes. Life can be perfect. Um, picture perfect when you have the tools to focus your lens. Contact Kodak Ready Consulting Services for more information. They have a website. They have a Facebook page. Um, Kodak Ready. And we'll have the link in there for as well. Let's talk about it, a flat platform of questions to make you think about life, health, family, culture, and so much more. Follow uh, Young Garvey on all platforms, uh, Young Garvey slash uh, Josh Williams, or a.k.a. Josh Williams. Improve your mental health with therapy. Sit with a the therapist. The conversation is different. When you sit with a the therapist, the conversation is different. Visit my website, Gravity Counseling Group. We have wellness group, individual, family, and couples therapy workshops coming soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen. You could be doing anything in the world, but you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. Remember, I'm a therapist, but this isn't therapy. This is a podcast.